Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 3 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. Today, you're going to hear a chat I had with Carol and Eric Blanche of Talking Crow Coffee Roasters in Sultan, Washington. Sultan is northeast of the Seattle area and in what is, for my money, one of the most beautiful areas of the entire West Coast. Talking Crow is unique among coffee roasters because they focus on decaf coffee as their primary product. During our upcoming conversation, we talk about Swiss water decaf a lot. Swiss water is actually the name of a company in British Columbia, Canada. They use a chemical-free method to remove 99.9% of caffeine from a coffee bean. And I'm not great with science, so I'm just going to share an infographic from Swiss water that shows the process from green bean to decaffeinated green bean on RoastWestCoast.com. Go check that out, and while you're there, subscribe to the newsletter. I know it is offered for free, but please consider a paid subscription to help support the creation of this content. It is a great way to support this podcast and the sharing of coffee news, coffee stories, coffee vocabulary, and the uplifting of the craft coffee community. Plus, so much more comes out in every newsletter. The link to that is in the show notes. Today, I'm drinking a really freaking good batch brew black coffee from Crossings Coffee Roasters that I picked up from Cafe La Terre this morning. And I think I've blathered on long enough to ensure that you've been able to acquire a good cup of coffee too. Because it is time for this interview with Eric and Carol of Talking Crow Coffee Roasters. Well, welcome to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, it's a real really privilege. Appreciate this. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind, just for the audience, if you could say your name so they can identify who is who and uh, the name of your company and, and maybe what you do at the company. I am Carol Blanchet, and I'm known as the founder and CEO of Talking Crow Coffee Roasters. And I'm Eric Blanchet. Carol's husband, and I am the head roaster at Talking Crow Coffee Roaster and uh, Green Buyer and uh, all Cupper hats. and yeah. all hats. It's just the two of us, so we do it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's the exciting part about being an entrepreneur is you are challenged by new things all the time. Totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. so true. So I want to get into a bunch of different things today about your backstory and about the coffee, and you guys are a very specific kind of uh, a very unique coffee roaster in one essence I want to share. But I'm hoping before we do that, you could maybe give me a little bit of background on how you came to coffee. Do you have a, a first memory of coffee from growing up or later in life? And uh, what made you get interested in coffee in the first place? I'll go first. So I didn't really grow up drinking coffee. I didn't start drinking it till I was in college as a necessity to get through cram sessions. And then working full time kind of morphed to drinking more and more. And then I loved it. So I didn't grow up drinking it, but I really, really, really enjoy it. And Eric, on the other hand, you tell. So I grew up in a small town in Watertown, Connecticut. And my dad owned a uh, soda jerk shop in Oakville, Connecticut called Marshall's Variety Store. And so I worked behind the counter with my whole family. And of course, we served coffee. And so I was introduced to really bad tasting coffee at an early age, but uh, did enjoy it. And then multiple careers through my life, uh, coffee has always been part of that to basically keep me warm, keep me, you know, give me a, a, a boost. So coffee has been in my life. <laughs> did you know at the time you said bad coffee, did you think it was bad at the time or do you only think it's bad now looking back in retrospect? Only think it's bad now looking back. I mean, it was, it was uh, farmer's brothers, auto drip coffee. Sitting on the burner all day. All day long. <laughs> oh yeah. You know? So yeah. And then uh, I had a career as a ship captain. So that coffee is just, you just add water to the grounds and, you know, you're always drinking the same coffee. So I'm kind of used to what bad coffee tastes like. So, you know, getting into this industry really, really made me exciting to know that, yeah, there's awesome coffee out there. There's a term for, 
for that kind of coffee, cowboy coffee, but is there a different term for ship captain coffee? Yeah, I, I can't say it on here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the first ship captain we've had on the show, so you've broken a barrier. So at some point in your life, you you have other careers, obviously, before this, before opening Talking Crow. What became kind of the inspiration point, the tipping point that made you think starting a coffee roaster was an idea you wanted to pursue? Were, and, and right leading up to that, were you kind of actively getting into coffee as like a craft, as craft coffee at home? You know, what led up to that point? You want to go? Or... You, you answer. Okay. So, well, I think it's funny. Eric probably should answer it, but, you know, he was working in the high tech industry and, and that's kind of what brought us up to Washington. And, you know, he was kind of thinking about the days when he would retire, you know, like what could we do? What could we do together? you know, that would include the children that are currently living at home. But then once they're gone, you know, what would work for later too? something we could do together and enjoy together. That was a common passion. And so we actually had a friend of ours whose son was roasting coffee at home just as a hobby. And he was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think I'll look into that. And so then in researching that, he found that Specialty Coffee Association offered classes kind of the whole gamut from seed to cup, you know, coffee buying, roasting, barista, everything, all the things. And he said, you know, what would you think, what would you think, Carol, if, if we roasted coffee, if we started a coffee roastery, something to do later down the road? And I was like, well, that sounds pretty awesome, but I don't know anything about that. And he's like, exactly. So I found these classes. What if we took classes just to see if it'd be a good fit, if it's something we want to pursue further? I'm like, yeah, let, let's do it. So we did, and we kind of fell in love. It was totally overwhelming because there's so much information out there, but it was kind of like, wow, this is a really neat community that we'd like to be a part of. And so that's kind of how it started, which then coincidentally, but not coincidentally, I mean, at that same time, we were taking these classes up at the Swiss water process plant in British Columbia. So we learned tons about coffee, but we learned tons about that particular decaf process and how great that coffee tasted. And why I said coincidentally is because about the same time as we were doing all these classes, and there are a lot of them, my health really started to take a dive. And um, it turned out I was suffering from extreme adrenal fatigue. And so the doctor was like, well, you really need to give up caffeine, give up coffee. And I'm like, oh, this is going to go well. I'm going to be a coffee roaster and I can't drink coffee. You know, I'm like, it's like the age old adage of don't trust a skinny cook, you know? And I'm like, what are we going to do? <laughs> but like I said, it was so fortuitous because here we were at the plant and we kind of looked at each other with like this light bulb moment, like decaf. We could do decaf and this market is really not touched much at all, not in the way that we would do it, the way that we've chosen to do it. And so that kind of just brought us to this specific niche that we, that we're trying to cater to, but it was, it was kind of selfish too, because it was like, I don't want to give up my, I don't want to give up coffee. I don't want to give up what I love, but I don't want to have bready decaf either. It's like, why bother? So that's kind of how we got to where we're at. That's one of the reasons specifically that I reached out to you because you you promote yourself as a decaf coffee roaster, although you do have some regular caffeinated coffee for anyone listening, for those that still want that boost. I don't generally feel a lot of effects from caffeine myself. So I relate to you, Carol, in the sense that for me, it's about the experience. I just enjoy, I enjoy making it. I enjoy drinking it. I enjoy the taste. There's just something calming about it for me to get into the day. And unless I drink that second or third pot, I'm not generally feeling many effects. Or if I forget to if I forget to drink coffee, and I think this is an advantage to me, I don't feel any withdrawal effects either for whatever reason. So that's really interesting. And you decide to kind of go, I, I'm going through this thing personally, but this is something we're getting involved in. Did you at the time think that there that it could work, that people would be interested in a decaf kind of specific roastery. And and I don't mean that to question your, your choice, but I think if you were looking at the marketplace, you wouldn't have seen a lot of people doing that. Yeah, I'd like to answer that. So one of the things in the classes we were taking is there were they went over a lot of statistics of, you know, coffee drinking around the world. And we found out through all these statistics that 1% of the United States population drink 
decaffeinated coffee. Okay. So if you take that 1% and you say, okay, you know, that's a lot of people. That's enough to build a business on. And that's just the United States itself. Worldwide, it's incredible because if you look at Ramadan, the Islamic nations, they don't drink caffeine. You look at China, China has a large population of non-caffeine drinkers. And so we were looking at all that and going, yeah, this model actually will work. It was interesting too, because um, at the Swiss water plant where they, you know, they test decafs all the time and drink it and just believe in what they're doing so much. It was super encouraging. But then, you know, we kind of got out into our sphere and had to really overcome that stigma of death before decaf. We've had to do a lot of kind of educating at farmer's markets and explaining that not all decaf is the same. And there truly is yucky decaf out there because it's not quality coffee and it's not the process to decaffeinate it uses a ton of chemicals. Decaf that you buy at the grocery store is mostly pretty stale. It's been on the shelf for quite a while because the demand for it is lower. So the turnover is, you know, longer. And so there's lots of reasons why people have a legit bias against decaf, but we're here to say that not all decaf (laughs) is the same. And um, once you taste good decaf, I feel like you're there for the flavor. Like you said, you're there for the flavor and the experience, not for the buzz. And so I kind of feel like true deep down coffee lovers are the decaf lovers because, you know, they just want it for the flavor. I think that was a challenge if anyone is listening to this to to try decaf. I think there's a lot of different reasons for decaf, whether it's you don't want the caffeine or for me, I would supplement my regular coffee drinking with it. I actually like to drink coffee late in the day, but I I generally won't if it's caffeinated just because I don't. Right. Maybe with a little whiskey at happy hour. You have a an interesting name, uh Talking Crow is the name of your coffee roaster. I'm wondering where that name came from and what does it mean to you guys? So growing up, you know, back in Connecticut, I was kind of a a wild child. I lived at, at my free time I spent a lot of time in the woods hanging out with the animals and things and and so um, I had a lot of strange and exotic pets and I had a lot of pet pet crows and things like that. So I had this one pet crow, his name was Tony, and he started mimicking us and copying our words we, we said and copying our pets and things like that. And he started, you know, basically talking. He'd say, hello, um, play ball, don't fall. He'd bark like the dog. He'd meow like the cats. You know, he'd come in the house and, and really cool. My mom has pictures of me laying on my bed, whether a Great Dane or Yorkshire Terriers or cats and my pet Tony all on my bed, you know, all like snuggling, you know. I mean, it was just a weird, normal childhood. I guess. <laughs> but Tony used to follow me to school and he, the reason he followed me in school was not because it was me. It was the other kids and the other kids would feed him. But in my particular school, they had two different recesses and lunch hours. So they had the regular lunch hour and then they had a lunch hour for the special needs kids. And Tony didn't like to go to the regular because those kids would actually throw rocks at him and tease him and stuff like that. But the special ed kids would actually feed him and play with him. And so he really liked hanging out with them. And so he would just go there and hang out with them and talk with them. And they thought that was the greatest thing since last bread, right? But there was this one little boy who had autism and he would just, you know, sit in a bench and rock and... Tony would come up to him and say hello and, and do his normal you know skit. And the little boy would then feed Tony Cheetos. And so Tony thought- Cheetos is a crow's love language, yeah, by the it, way. Yeah. <laughs> so he and, and Tony became like really good friends. And Tony would you know talk to him. And out of Tony talking to him, he turned around and taught Tony how to say his ABCs and count from one to 10. The- principal of the school found out that my crow was assisting this little boy and was like called me into the into the office and I'm thinking here I'm getting in trouble because my pet crow is stealing somebody's toys or jewelry and stuff because he did that right and I get pulled into the office and there's photographers and reporters and they did an article about me and my crow 
because he helped this little boy, you know, come out of his shell, basically. And so that's kind of our backstory to Talking Crow. And so we kind of have a, a mascot in our in our company. You know, so that's it. And we thought it sounded kind of cool, sort of, I don't know, like, I don't know, just some... And it's cool. I mean, it, it, when somebody says, hey, I'm Talking Crow, it's it's kind of a, a, a euphemism for saying, hey, I'm going to talk to you about something. You know, this is... This is something fun to talk about. You know, it's it's not like gossip, but it's, you know, something that that's uh, fun to learn about. And that's kind of where we're at. It's kind of like educating people about decaffeinated coffee and, you know, how it actually can taste awesome. Decaffeinated processes, we educate people on all the different decaffeination processes and so they can make choices of, you know, for their own health. So, yeah, it kind of fits. I feel a kinship there because, uh, one, I have a friendship with a crow at my house here. Aren't they just the coolest? It freaked me out a little bit at first because he was just around all the time. And I thought, well, this is kind of weird, but there are some crows outside of our home. And when I would commute on the train uh, pre-pandemic, it would follow me all the way to the train station every day and kind of walk along the fence posts and along the little signs all the way there. And I don't know how long went by and I know that my wife thought I was crazy, but eventually I started talking to him, <laughs> to the crow. And uh, his name is Charlie, by the way. Awesome. And so I would have these full conversations and it was just kind of a fun little thing. And it was like maybe, I don't want to say getting over a fear of the unknown, but it was just kind of a unique experience between a, a person and an, and an animal. Also, I had a, a penguin uh, through college that was sort of a mascot. So I don't, uh, that's an, a story I can't tell on the air either, but someday if we ever meet in person, I'll certainly share that. (laughs) So you're the real Mr. Popper. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, but in a, maybe a rated R Mr. Popper. (laughs) 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 You mentioned teaching people about decaf and I'm wondering, uh, you also mentioned that you had some health issues and that kind of inspired that tangent and your coffee drinking. How does coffee impact health uh, in your experience and the benefits of, of detoxing or reducing caffeine? I think there's all kinds of information out there, but what is it that you're sharing with people um, in, in your perspective and what have you experienced? Well, it's interesting. We actually have two very different stories about coffee. So a few years ago, like, I don't know, probably 15 years ago, Eric, just on a whim, was heading on a hunting trip and, you know, got a latte on the road, which is a common thing here in Washington from a latte stand. After that latte, he was like, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like having coffee. I think I'll give it up for a year and just see, you know, in the course of that time, he was drinking water with lemon, you know, lemon water instead of coffee. And he actually ended up getting kidney stones, which were the calcium kind. His particular body creates a lot of calcium. And I had remembered a long time ago in college, a friend saying to me something like, you know, when you give your kids pizza and soda, the calcium of the cheese on the pizza is not absorbed because of the caffeine in the soda. The caffeine takes, you know, leaches away the calcium. I remembered that and told Eric, Hey, I wonder if for you, if you need to go back on coffee, because it's just interesting that, you know, A happened and then B happened. I just wonder couldn't hurt to go back on anyway. And sure enough, he's drank coffee more for him as prophylactic and he's never had anything since. So that's very interesting. Not that that's medical advice, but for him and for his particular body, he needs caffeine. For me, on the other hand, because I have an autoimmune issue, so I have Hashimoto's in conjunction with adrenal fatigue. So, you know, your thyroid and your adrenals kind of hold hands and play together. And so when one isn't optimal, the other one often isn't either. And so for me, the higher levels of cortisol, in addition to stress and other things, are not a good pair for me. So I am really sensitive to caffeine, like a lot. And so, so for example, we cup coffee, we cup coffee all the time when We're going to buy green coffee when it arrives, when we roast, like we're roasting all the time and cupping all the time. And I cup what he roasts because it's quality control, but I have to be sure that I never cup at night because I won't sleep, you know, and cupping is a matter of slurping and spitting. I don't even drink it, but even that amount affects me. So for me, it's like a completely different scenario. And that's kind of how we came up with coffee is for everyone. Caffeine isn't. 
because everybody loves a cup of coffee, it, it would seem, but not everybody can tolerate the caffeine component of it. So that's kind of our story. And as far as detoxing, it's my experience, unless you get sick and, and coffee just doesn't sound good to you and you can go cold turkey and you already feel cruddy anyway, I mean, that's one way to do it. But if if you're not you know, under the weather and you're trying to detox, I would say go very slowly, you know, replace if you're drinking a 16 ounce coffee, maybe back it down to a 12 ounce caffeinated. So you're just decreasing your caffeine little by little and then yeah, use a half calf. Like maybe if, if you're drinking it in the afternoon, you know, kind of make those swaps so that you're slowly, slowly swapping out more and more caffeine and then up your water intake. That'll help with the headaches that happen. So it definitely has to be a slow process though, because otherwise you're just miserable. And then I think you throw in the towel too soon because you're like, I can't, I can't do it, you know? But once you're there, the cool thing about it is I have more level energy than I ever had drinking coffee. And I don't get that two o'clock in the afternoon slump where you're kind of reaching like, hmm, I really need a boost. For me, because I have a large family, it was like, okay, I have to have this or how am I going to make it through dinner? You know, it was kind of more feeling like that. Oh, I'll never make it. But I don't have that anymore because I'm not, I'm not on that addiction. And so if any of your listeners are desiring to get to a different place in their health journey, I would say persevere and do it because when you get to the other side, you won't believe it until you're there and you're like, wow, I have more energy than I did drinking coffee. That's really interesting. And this is just because I'm ignorant uh, on this specific topic, but like if I were to buy a non-alcoholic beer, there's generally still like a very small percentage of alcohol in it. Is that true with decaf coffee as well? Well, depends on the decaffeination method. Okay. One of the reasons why we stick with Swiss water only as our decaffeination method is they're the only company that's 99.9% decaffeinated and 100% chemical free. Okay. All other decaffeination methods are higher, you know, like 97 or 95%. Okay. They don't, they don't get uh, as high as um, Swiss water and they all use some sort of chemical process to either prepare the beans or do the decaffeination method. So that can end up, you know, leaving chemicals in your decaffeinated coffee. And a lot of times that's why it smells bad. That's why it tastes bad. And people have a lot of sugar and milk in it to get it down. There are a couple of other methods that don't use chemicals, but they aren't as they, like Eric said, they're like 97% caffeine free, which is still great. But if you're like me, that's just tends to be now, I'm just sensitive to a lot of things. I'm sensitive to the chemicals that are used to decaffeinate and I'm sensitive to higher caffeine levels. So that's kind of why we've chosen Swiss water. And we've had a lot of other, especially like importers and exporters ask us, you know, are you, would you be willing to try this one or this one or this one? And, you know, we just have made it our model that we only use Swiss water. So that's kind of our, our unique thing too, because other roasters that do decaf use other methods as well. And that's great, but that's, we've kind of set ourselves apart that way. Since you have this kind of specific model of bean that you're roasting, has that made it easier or harder to source quality products for you? Because I would imagine because the market's already smaller for decaf generally, and now you're going into an even smaller portion of the beans available to you, how easy has it been to find quality products? And you also have an effort to kind of source sustainably and reduce carbon footprint, I noticed as I was reading about you. How difficult is that? Or does it make it easier because you're really only looking at one small window? Well, pre-pandemic, it wasn't as challenging, but currently it is more challenging. But that's, I think it's more challenging now because the, the complete workflow of obtaining beans, right? That's changing a little bit more as, as we move away from the pandemic and the uh, shipping issues. The selection of coffees, this is one of the other reasons why we really enjoy working with Swiss water is they are, they are a specialty coffee decaffeination company. Okay. They promote a lot of specialty coffee as their main decaffeinated coffee. I mean, they, they, they do others as well, you know, cause they, they got to make money. Right. 
but they focus a lot on the specialty coffee industry and they bring in a lot of the plantations that are specialty uh, growers. That's kind of a, a their market as well. You know, um, they want to be known as a specialty coffee decaffeination method. And so we're kind of riding on their coattails. And so we watch to see what they're bringing in and we contact our suppliers and say, hey, this is what's coming into Swiss water. Are you going to have it? Can we get it? So on and so forth. And we've been pretty successful with that. I mean, we've pretty much have gotten coffees from almost the complete coffee belt. The hard ones are the island coffees because they become really, really expensive to do caffeinate. But we've had, like I said, Colombia, we've had Ethiopia. Our Ethiopia is amazing. It's got some wonderful blueberry notes to it. We have uh, El Salvador, we have Guatemala, Brazil. I mean, it's, it's, our offerings are a lot of single origins that match to a lot of the single origins that are in the, the caffeinated market. And so we're really happy that we can, uh, a lot of times, uh, match one-to-one so that I can do, like right now we offer a, a half-calf Mexico. And that's because I have the exact same Mexico in decaf as I have in regular. So I can, you know, I can mix those together and give folks a, a, a half-calf and pretty much match the flavor uh, notes of those two coffees. So yeah, it's it not been, you know, a super challenging experience, but you know, it's not perfect. Like if I was just a hundred percent, you know, regular roaster. I think the challenge sometimes lies in the fact that the coffee needs to come from origin, go into Canada for the process and then come back into America for us. So there's a bit of a, a lag, you know, as far as when coffee is harvested and exported, you know, if we were just a regular roaster, then we would have our coffee at a specific, you know, a, a different timing of it. So we have to wait. And so the challenge for us lies in trying to judge how much coffee to get to last us until perhaps the next season. We try to not run out, but, you know, sometimes we don't anticipate how much our customers are going to love a particular one and we blow through it. And it's like, oh, we should have gotten way more than we did. And of course, because it's decaf, let's say a container came into, you know, port and three pallets only go to Swiss water. Now, I don't know if that's truly accurate or not, but, you know, we have, a, there's a limited supply of what goes there. And so we have to be, we have to be kind of on our game to know how much to order. So it's, it's, uh, we're working through it though. You know, we're, we're kind of getting the hang of it now. It was harder in the beginning, but also not as many people knew that we were focusing on decaf. So I feel like the supply and demand has kind of worked its way. Now people know that we are the decaf people. So there's more demand, but we know to order more. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, we're getting there. I didn't ask this earlier, but do you have a cafe or are you an online roaster only? So we, we are currently just an online roaster only. We do farmer's markets and uh, we do uh, an occasional pop-up sales type things. You know, that's what we primarily do. We're working to move towards um, having a mobile espresso bar so that we can do events, but that's kind of where we're working towards. So we're just kind of building funds and figuring out how we want that to look and, you know, what equipment we want to have and how we, how we want to display that and, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we would love to have a brick and mortar um, someday, but uh, you know, that's a someday. And it's interesting how, you know, COVID really showed us how a lot of those cafes had to really pivot and pivot quickly to figure out how to survive that shutdown and, and a whole other set of challenges that nobody ever imagined. And so in some ways, you know, our business thrived because yeah. we were only online and everyone was home making coffee. And so, you know, that was a real blessing for us. We feel for our fellow coffee people here in, I mean, all over, of course, but especially in Washington, because there's, you know, so many good coffee shops here and, you know, several of them aren't in business anymore. And so that's, it just, it helps us to 
we're kind of taking that aspect a little slower, like really to think through, is that, is that where, is that where God would want us? Is that what, is that one of our next moves or not? But we feel like the mobile coffee cart would mm-hmm. allow us the ability to do events for people, you know, if people who have evening weddings, who they want coffee, but it, it doesn't always make sense to have it caffeinated, you know? So the, I mean, so there, because of that, there won't be, we won't be at tons of events, which also is good for our family that we're not always gone you know, away from the kids that are still at home. Well, you mentioned working with family earlier, and I believe you have a fairly big family. So I'm wondering how everyone's involved in the business. And also, you know, the idea of taking classes together with your spouse is one thing, but then taking it to the next step and starting a business with your spouse where you're together at work and you're also together in your life, which I have done as well. And then we have a pandemic. So now you are really together. Uh, at least for an extended period of time. How do, how has that worked for you guys? And then, you know, just the family aspect of all being working together. Well, so the the first part of your question with the kids, that's, um, it's been interesting. This has been like a, a process. I mean, we kind of started with all the classes and everything, 2016. Our roastery is on our property. We have five acres here. So we had to jump through all of the county permitting and hoops and all of that. And we live in a kind of up in the mountains in a very forested area. So our sons were huge helps in <laughs> taking down trees. You know, I say slicing, dicing, making home fries of all the lumber, digging trenches. And and, and so really all of just a lot of the hard labor, they were huge in getting us to a place where we're at currently. I've had one of our daughters was our social media manager for a couple of years, which was super helpful She's currently now married, so doing her own thing. And she's doing social media for the for that company, company she's working for now. So. And we've had a couple of kids kind of model for our pictures. So they get their little, you know, few moments to fame on Instagram here and there. And the young girls that are still home with us, they help us with farmer's markets and stuff like that. So each person has contributed in their own way. And, and that's been super, it's been super helpful to know that they, um, especially our older kids that don't live at home anymore. Of course, they're always the taste testers too, you know, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they, they don't ever balk at that, but I feel like they really support us and really encourage us to, you know, just keep going when, when times are hard, because sometimes it's a lot of work. And when you work, especially because it's where our home is located, you never are away from it. And so you can always be thinking about what else you could be doing, how, what, you know, how to make it better and what to do and all the things that still need to be done. And so I appreciate their emotional support and their physical support. They've been just great. And as far as working with your spouse, I feel like, you know, marriage is a little dance, you know, and I feel so blessed. Eric and I sometimes, I mean, we're alike, but we're so different. And, but the thing is, is that my weaknesses are his strengths and vice versa. He, he is so strong in the areas that the other way around. I'm strong in the areas he's not so strong. And so we work well together that way when our pride doesn't get in the way, you know? So if we, <laughs> um, I think sometimes as with any marriage, you know, you can have miscommunication and then feelings get hurt or, you know, you just, whatever, you know, kind of, need to take a step back. And oftentimes for me, maybe a a sharp tongue coming from me might just be because my plate is overly full. And thankfully, I think he knows um, he can read me well enough. Now we've been married, it'll be 34 years in August. So he knows me well enough to know not to take it personally. But I am also try to be quick to apologize, you know, because a gentle answer is so much nicer than a not one, you know, so it's, it's challenging sometimes. Happy wife is a nice life. Right? <laughs> um, no, I mean, no, you no, know, we work well together. I mean, it, she's right though, is I'm the, the geek, the technical, the MacGyver of the, totally. of the home and of the company. And she's the clerical wizard. I mean, well, I mean, grammar wise, my wife is a walking English major. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how this company has brought out the both of us and our little ways we, we, we just live and it's been fun. It's been great. I mean, I, 
I could pick no one else to be my boss. Uh-uh. I mean, I yeah, and I get it. to boss them around. That's pretty fun. <laughs> and you know, it's kind of fun to say she she'll say, "Hey, you need to roast," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay, I need to roast." And then she goes, "No, you need to roast." <laughs> okay, I'll go. <laughs> I'll have to walk the whole forty feet out to the roastery, you know. But yeah, no, it. it but it's, it's good too. I think it's good. Like, I, it sounds kind of funny, and this is a general broad thing, but because I'm a I'm a woman and I'm a consumer and I know what I like in a look of a product. And so sometimes I'll say, Hey, you know, I think we should do this. Help me make this happen. And so, because sometimes I don't know how to get from where I, where we are to where I want to be. And that's where Eric has a lot of really great ideas. He's a very outside the box thinker. And I really appreciate that about him. So it's been, it's been fun kind of getting to know each other in a way you'd think after 34 years, we'd know each other like you know, like the back of a book, but, but we have, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's been fun to kind of see, like he said, the strengths come out over what could potentially be an issue that doesn't, it isn't an issue, you know? I think that's the good stuff though, that long-term relationship where you do know somebody at their core, but you don't necessarily know how they're going to react to everything or how they might guide you in a different direction. My wife and I have also been together quite a while, not as long as 34, but coming up on 20 this year. All right. That's awesome. And we have worked together and she's essentially my, not product tester, but she's the person I go to if I have a design or I have an idea because we are complete opposites. I was an English major, but she still corrects my grammar. So I don't know how that uh, (laughs) works out. And she'll say to me, you know, well, I don't have any constant clue about what you're this industry or this business. And I'm like, well, that's why I'm asking you. You have no preconceived notions of what I'm asking you. You can just give exactly. me your honest opinion. And yeah. uh, and she does very honest uh, opinions, which is very helpful for me. You mentioned you were in the mountains. I know you're based uh, just kind of northeast of Seattle area. Yes. Uh, which is just beautiful, a beautiful part of the world. If If you haven't been to like the North Cascades, for anyone listening, they should absolutely take a visit up in that direction. I'm wondering about... You know, what is next for your roastery up there? What is next for your company? What do you see for the future, 2022 and beyond? Well, we've got a fun new product that's going to be releasing here in end of May, early June. I don't want to say what it is because it's still kind of <laughs> hush-hush, but um, suffice it to say, I think that, I think you'll love it. It's, um, I'll give you a hint, it's super convenient. So there you go. I think I'm excited about that to offer something that's, a little bit different than whole bean coffee. Um, so there's that coming. And then like Eric mentioned, you know, we're slow, but sure researching about the coffee cart and how to make that work. We don't want to just be like, like a kind of permanent pop-up, if that makes any sense. Like that's not where we're going. We really want to cater to people who have a specific event with a specific need for, you know, decaf to be served at that event, whether it's a family reunion or a wedding or, or even a business event or whatever. So um, we want to be selective because our girls, we just know having, so we have eight children, five of them are grown and out of the house and we know how fast that time goes. And so, you know, we don't want to schedule every weekend and then, you know, lose that time with them. But we also want to, to expand our business and, and to be able to, what is the word I'm looking for? Like diversify a little bit, you know, so we've got our online sales. We'd love to increase our wholesale opportunities too. We'd love to be the coffee that's served in coffee shops. Absolutely would love that. And then to be able to serve at occasional events, that's kind of where it's at. It's kind of like the best of all worlds where we can serve our clientele that we need, but still have time with our kids. Very cool. I want to kind of close out here with a question that I've asked every person that I've interviewed, which is if you were to go out into the world and stop at a cafe or coffee shop, what is it that you're ordering uh, for yourself? So for me, I, I always look to see what their single origins are. And I always order a single origin Americano. I just like the flavor of coffee. And, and it's uh, always and, hot. And it's always hot. I never, I, I'm not really into cold coffee. I mean, I make cold brew. I make an awesome nitro cold brew. Oh man, it is so good. But 
I'll, if, if someone will say, here's a nitro and here's a hot Americano, even if it's a hundred degrees outside, I'll go for the hot Americano. It's just, it's just what I prefer. And for me, I really, Americanos are my go-to as well. I like to experience <clears throat> the flavor, but it kind of depends on their decaf process. So that's always the kicker for me. So if I, if I know it's Swiss water, I know it will taste good. But if it isn't Swiss water, then it's always a chance that it won't be as great. So then I'll usually get one of their seasonal drinks with oat milk. And if it's cold out, then I'll get, you know, like a latte. If it's hot out, I'll get it iced. So I kind of mix it up a little just depending on their decaf process. So, and I always have to ask, like, I always have to make sure this is decaf, right? Because so often they're not used to making that, you know? So yeah, one particular coffee place whose name won't be mentioned, (laughs) who never gets your name right. Um, I always have to make sure that uh, this is decaf, right? That reminds me of going to, you know, the pancake house or diners in the old days and seeing the orange and then the brown handles and being like, are you sure this is the one that I want? And the answer is always yes. But I always wonder like, because I've been on the other side of that as a server where I didn't know as a kid, 19, 20 years old serving where I just grabbed one and yep, this is it. It is yeah. what you're asking for. Exactly. I would never do that now. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that I, is there anything that I missed? Anything that we didn't cover today that you really want people to know about your, about your company or about you guys? Give us a try. Um, <laughs> decaf coffee. Uh, so one of the things about decaf coffee though, that, that I want to bring up is we roast here at Talking Crow, we roast to bring the uh, the most flavor out of that coffee. Um, that's another reason why we really stick with Swiss water because their process only removes caffeine. So the everything else is left in the bean. So I get to go through the same process as I would with a regular coffee in the sense of I have my charging temp, I have my, uh, my caramelization time and my development time is all based on with rise. So with that in mind, I can bring out some awesome flavors in, in this decaf coffee. And it, it, for me, being a drinker of both, I actually really enjoy having a decaf in the evening because I get that full experience of hot cup of coffee, but a lot of mouth flavor. And that kind of like tricks my brain thinking, oh yeah, you are having coffee and it's good coffee. And, you know, you're not having caffeine, but I don't care about that because it tastes great. It tastes great. Right. And so it, it, that whole experience is something like we're trying to really uh, emphasize to people that you don't, if you're switching the decaf, you don't have to give up that experience or those flavors. And I think that's been the thing that a lot of people lost because they were used to, you know, drinking the other types of decaf methods, you know, the ones with the orange label and for years. And that is, you know, it has no flavor. It has flavor. It's just not good flavor. (laughs) Yeah. It's a flavor you don't, you don't, you don't like, you have to add milk and sugar to it, to it, to drink it. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of our, our, our main focus is educating people that the caffeinated coffee doesn't taste bad. If it's, especially when uh, a roaster is taking effort and time to make it enjoyable and bringing a pleasure of drinking a cup of coffee, just like your counterpart. I mean, that was the thing, like my wife, we'd go out for coffee and she'd have to get, drink crappy decaf. And here I am enjoying this wonderful tasting, you know, Ethiopian and she's having some blend that they just threw into the roaster and made it, you know, a decaf. And she's not having that same pleasant experience that I'm having. Um, And it's hard too, once you've, you know, if you once drank regular, you know what you're missing, you know? So that makes it all the worse when you're like, this is not satisfying, you know? So so we're trying to change that. So there's that, but there's also one other thing that I that comes to mind is that Eric uses an air roaster to roast. 
And so that was a conscious decision that we made up where we live. If we chose a gas drum roaster, it would have to run on propane, which number one would be expensive for us. And then we have to pass that cost on to the consumer, which we didn't want to do. But it also introduces hydrocarbons in the whole process. And we didn't really want to do that. So with it being fully electric, we're able to minimize our carbon footprint. And we just like that. And it's it's different, a little bit different roasting um, because you don't have the the heat of the drum, you know, it's, it's kind of air circulating around the beans. And so it's a shorter time of roasting, which allows us to roast more coffee in a time period. So that was uh, really great for us too. And we feel like our whole model is different. You know, we focus on decaf, it's only Swiss water. We pretty much only roast at medium level because we feel like too light is just too bready and not really great. And too dark is what people are so used to. Really dark, really oily decaf coffee that tastes on borderline burnt is not where we're going. We want people to experience flavor notes that are listed on the bag. Like, oh, hey, like Eric mentioned, our decaf Ethiopia. Hey, I really, I taste that blueberry, you know. And those more delicate flavors go away the darker you go. So yeah, we're, we're just kind of different. Swiss water, medium roast, you know, air roaster. We're, we're just all, all the things different, but we feel like it's it's proving itself to be a very good thing because we feel like our coffee's worth talking about. I mean, not to be cheesy like with Talking Crow, but <laughs> really, you know, people know us as the really good decaf coffee people. And hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, our goal, I, I mean, my goal is I want to, I want, our company to be the old adage, the decaf king of the market. I want to, I want talking crow to be like when somebody says, Hey, I need to order decaf. They're going to say, Oh, get a hold of talking crow. They're, they have the most education. They have the most um, selection. They have, you know, just a, a, an availability of a good and awesome tasting decaf that, your customers you know, are going to enjoy. That's so our goal. Yeah. That's our goal. I commend you for forging your own path and, and taking on the challenge. And I'm looking forward to trying your decaf coffee. I certainly drink quite a bit of decaf in my life. So, and I just really appreciate you guys coming on the show and spending some time talking to me about it and sharing what you guys have been doing. Well, thank you so Thanks. much for having us. It's such a pleasure. You have a great day now. To recap, Swiss Water is a company that uses non-chemical processing to remove caffeine from a coffee bean, leaving behind a flavorful coffee without the kick. Carol and Eric have had very different relationships with coffee, in particular in regards to how their bodies engage with coffee and their health is impacted by it. This conversation was a good reminder to check in with myself and up my awareness on how my body feels on days when I drink coffee compared to days that I don't. Like a lot of entrepreneurial efforts, Talking Crow was inspired by a gap in the market. Carol said it best, quote, I don't want to have cruddy decaf either. It's like, why bother? Why bother indeed, especially if you don't have to? Finally, there are some unique challenges to sourcing decaf coffees that meet the standard Talking Crow expects. For example, the coffee goes on a more circuitous route before arriving at their roastery because it needs to get shipped from the importer to the Swiss Water Processing Factory in Canada before it gets sent back to Washington. But, due to their specialization and their goal to be known as leaders in the decaf arena, they aren't truly competing one-to-one with more traditional coffee roasters that are focused on caffeinated coffee. That said, they also still sell regular coffee. There is something for everyone. I did check in with Carol this week to see if there was any breaking news on the new product she mentions at the end of the show, but we're still a few weeks too early, so follow at Talking Crow Coffee Roasters on Instagram or head to TalkingCrowRoasters.com to see if the news has dropped and to shop their current coffee offerings. Those links will be in the show notes and in the newsletter on RoastWestCoast.com. Next week, Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle Roasting will be back for another Coffee Smarter episode to talk about cleaning your at-home coffee equipment. And I'll chat with Ian Nelson. 
He works for one of my favorite Pacific Northwest-based coffee roasters, Doma Coffee in Post Falls, Idaho. Ian recently passed the incredibly challenging Q-Grader coffee certification, and we're going to chat about what it took to achieve that goal. For paid subscribers to the newsletter, there is also a new Bean Journal column up this week featuring communal coffee. For those of you who are out there and listening, thank you. I really appreciate it. And a big thank you to Café Latir for letting me bring the podcast to the café earlier this week. Hey Sam, it was great to meet you. And the rest of the show's industry partners, including Ignite Coffee Company, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, First Light Whiskey, I like to sample some of that in the afternoon with a cup of decaf, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, and Maria Coffee. I touched base with Joe from Maria earlier this week, and I think we'll be seeing some big news from them in the near future. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity and coffee to make it through the day. And you know what? Honestly, after the lunacy that we've been dealing with this week, I feel like I'm a little short on sanity. No judgment if you are too. Women's rights are human rights, and that should be obvious. For those of you who are headed out into the world for a cup of coffee this week, please always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. Hey everyone, if you like the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, you might also appreciate the I Like Beer the Podcast. Listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint. These professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share on everything from the mating habits of penguins to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer the Podcast wherever you are listening to this show about coffee or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com.